Welcome to Check-Ins with Jess, where you check in with yourself, evaluate your life and goals, and leave with tangible tools to help unlock your potential so you can start living the life you've desperately been wanting. I'm your host, Jessica Adjman, and I'm so, so glad you're here. How are we doing? We doing good? (laughs) This last week was a doozy for me. I said that the week before, but I don't know, this month has just thrown me for a loop, and it's been rough. I'm a fan of doing this check-in first, so if you hate that idea, let me know, message me. But I like to just start out with it, not to get it over with, but before you dive in and start listening to the podcast and everything, or even talk about more fun segments, I want to know how you're doing, because that's what this podcast is called, check-in with me. I'm the one who hosts the platform to check in with yourself, because if you aren't, at least you are once a week during this podcast, so here we go. Think about your last week all seven days. Did it feel super long? Did it fly by for you? How are you really doing? Throughout the week, did you feel alone, overwhelmed, or more stressed out than normal? Were you thriving or surviving? If you're thriving, did you take a moment to celebrate it? Did you feel and record your feelings of happiness and contentment? If you were surviving, were you able to implement self-care, big or small? Did you find awareness in your feelings and emotions? Did you reach out to have help or a break to even just breathe this week? I hope as you took the time to reflect how you were doing and just evaluating your week, that you really are taking the time to evaluate and reflect. I think a lot of times we avoid feelings. Like, I'll get back to that, though that doesn't matter. I don't want to feel that right now. We're just going to go, 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 survival mode. I totally get that. I've been there. If you're in the survival mode, I kind of am still there physically and with life, but I'm not there mentally and emotionally, but especially mentally right now, which is a huge difference from compared to a year ago. Mentally surviving is the worst. Life is always going to come at you. It's going to be hard. It's going to throw you curveballs. But if you mentally are not okay as a human to combat its many trials and hardships, That is where the never-ending hamster wheel of surviving comes in, and it is not fun or healthy. If you need the permission at all, here it is. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take your health seriously. Don't put it off. You matter. Stop pushing the feelings down. Stop stuffing them. Stop saying, it's okay, it's fine, I'm fine. If you're not fine, that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. For those of you that are thriving, yay, I'm so happy for you. Take the time to celebrate, be aware of how it makes you feel, but realize it's okay if you don't feel the same in the next week, day, or even hour. Your week might have been a combination of both. Maybe even some in the same day you felt like you were thriving and then just surviving. 
Either way, I'm so proud of you. I see you. I hear you. I love you. You are never alone, even if it feels like that. If you are religious, I love this quote that I came across this last week saying, God is always within whispering distance. And I love that it's so simple, but it's true. Even when you feel like you can't express your feelings to anyone or you don't even know what you're feeling or how to deal with it, God is right there. Even if it's just talking to him in your mind before you fall asleep and you want to end your day with talking to someone about it at least. But yes, even with whispering distance, he's always there. It doesn't have to be any formality of prayers or used to. Just talk to him. He's always there. If you aren't religious at all, try to connect with nature, good energy, anything. Just meditate, slow down, take the time to connect to yourself and your body, your intuition. The affirmation I chose for this week is, it's okay to not know. And I like how it's kind of a shorter statement because it can mean a lot of things for people to interpret to how they want and it fits them. But for me, I have a lot of stressful things that have gone on the last few weeks and I need this affirmation of, it's okay to not know. It's okay to not know right now. It's okay not to have answers. It's okay to not even know what tomorrow's going to look like or bring. So yeah, grab that wallpaper on the show notes below. Have that there on your phone to look at and remind you throughout the week. This episode is the first guest podcast. Yay! I'm so excited. It was definitely very challenging, a learning curve as far as technicality and things like that. I had so much fun. It was so exciting to do something in person and have a conversation with someone I have a connection with. But yeah, first guest podcast is with Taylor Kerr. She has a business called Your Weekly Home. And we connected at an event a few months ago. So it's really fun because we've only known each other for a few months. And recording this podcast was actually only the second time of meeting up. But I don't know. I just feel like you just vibe with people. And she's someone that I just vibed with immediately from meeting her. And she's just the sweetest, has the cutest little bubbly personality. She keeps it real. I really enjoyed talking with her. She is also an autism mom. And I feel like with that, we related on a whole other level of almost we didn't have to communicate things. We just got it. So it's fun to sit down and talk with her. She's coming up on a year of her son's diagnosis with autism soon. And she gets real. She talks about the feeling she's felt, the grieving process, advice she has for moms with a newly diagnosis for their kiddos, and lots of other things. We cover a lot, and I'm so excited for you to dive in. So let's get to it. So I have Taylor here. I'm super excited to do a guest podcast. This is the first one I have done, so give a little grace because uh, I'm just figuring it out. Um, usually I'm just talking to myself, so it's a very different. I actually wanted to have Taylor on before, like I even had the podcast, I had people written down that I wanted to, and I met her at an event just a few months ago um, that Albright put on, Caitlin and Riley, so she's friends with them, and we met, and we instantly connected, she, I mentioned a little bit during the chat that we were talking about that my son had autism, and she came up to me after and said, oh my gosh, me too, my son just got diagnosed, and so we kind of just connected instantly and have been internet friends since, and she said, I would love to be on the podcast, and I said, oh yeah, I would love to have you on, and she's here to talk about just a little bit about her journey. She's coming up on a year from when her son was diagnosed, so she's going to talk about a little bit about herself and kind of how that all looked and what life looks like now, and We'll just see how it goes from there. So thanks for being here, Taylor. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. 
Yay. Well, yeah, let's get in whenever you're ready. Just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and family. So um, I am 26. I am married. I have a husband and we have a almost three-year-old son. Um, his name is Riggs. And about a year ago, like you said, in April, um, Rigdon was diagnosed with autism. And um, the reason we got him diagnosed, just little things like he wasn't playing with his toys practically, like his cars, he wasn't playing with them or like going room. He was lining them up in colors and rows. Mm -hmm. And he also wasn't really communicating or talking, not a lot of eye contact. Those are basic, I know, I think like markers for autism mm -hmm. symptoms. We did, you know, want to get him checked out. So we did, and turns out he was autistic. I think the initial reaction when like the doctor is like, your son is autistic, he's on the spectrum. It was overwhelming and it's such a weird feeling. It's not necessarily like sadness or madness. Mm -hmm. It's just confusion. It's overwhelming and you don't really know how you're supposed to feel and you don't want to feel the wrong way. Because like you, to me, I would feel like a bad mom if I were like, oh no, my son's autistic. Like, I don't know. It's just yeah. like, it's so weird, but it's okay to feel bad because it's a whole another journey that you weren't expecting. And I, it's taken me a long time to feel that. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. And um, I remember after they said the words, your son is on the spectrum. Like I completely like blanked out. I don't remember anything else of the mm -hmm. conversation. My husband had to remind me everything. Oh, wow. And I just drove on my way home. I just was just crying. I didn't know what to feel. It was so strange. No, yeah, I definitely, because it's not, oh, your son has this sickness. He has this. It's no, he's, your life is going to look a lot different, but you, again, you don't even know what to expect at that point. You think like you have these signs and you think, oh, that's probably it. But once it's said, and once it's on paper, it becomes way more real. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because before when I was like, oh, he could be on the spectrum, he couldn't, it won't matter either way, you know, but then once they say those words, like your son is on the spectrum and like a doctor says that, you're like, okay, so all hope for everything being okay is gone. And now I need to adjust. And also like, I'm so glad we live in a world where it's getting more transparency yes. and more awareness and everything. But even then, like, when I hear that a child is autistic, my mind immediately goes to a nonverbal kid who yeah. can't do anything on his own. Like, and because they don't talk about the other parts of the spectrum, really, it's in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I hope it's the, it's the latter. I hope he'll go through and it won't even be an issue really. Mm -hmm. And there's so much in between and it's yeah. okay. Like you just, that's what life is. You just kind of adjust as it goes on. And, and now like almost a year later, I just, feel I'm like I'm finally content with everything, you know? So it's been, it's been hard though. That doesn't take away the fact of that. Yeah. No, that's a lot. I, especially at the beginning and the first year for sure um, is super hard. What have you noticed? Like he got into services right away or what have you noticed? Good things, like positive things. That would be. Yes. Um, pretty much like it actually, it just was all improvement pretty quickly. It's, it hits you like a train right at first and it's okay to be scared. But like the biggest thing I learned is that your kid is still the same kid. Nothing's changed about your kid, mm -hmm. just your world changed, but their world hasn't. Oh, that's true. You know, so like, I just had to keep telling myself that it's still my rigged in. Like, yeah. you know, he's still so sweet and still, you know, the same. It's just, you have to adjust with what you know now. But um, so yes, um, luckily I actually have an aunt who owns an 
ABA clinic. Oh, and cool. ABA is it's a behavioral therapy for autistic kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like school, but you know, it's a clinic where they kind of have all the therapies in house that they'll acquire. So since Riggs had a little bit of a speech delay, we had to give him in a speech therapy. And then there's occupational therapy and there's, you know, all the therapies <laughs> possible. Yep. And then the biggest one we wanted for Riggs is behavioral therapy. So we can kind of redirect any behaviors that would potentially be a problem in school or in relationships just down the road. So that's where we're, we've been taking him as behavioral therapy. My aunt put a good word in for us because otherwise we'd have to wait forever to get in. Uh, the system does not make it easy for you to list. get your kid help. It's crazy. And then yeah. insurance on its own is like yeah. a whole battle. Mm-hmm. So that I think those were the hardest parts is that they kind of just throw you into this whole world of insurance and clinics and places you need to go that you know nothing about. And meantime, you're still in a word grieving your child because when your your kid gets diagnosed with autism, it's kind of like immediately the life you always pictured for your child is kind of wiped away. And mm-hmm. now you have to rebuild this thought of what your kid will be and how his life will be. Yeah. So it's hard because when you're going through this process of all the medical stuff, you don't have time to heal. So mm-hmm. I remember like one week I'd be feeling really good because I was busy with all the medical stuff. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like, I'm doing well. But then like on a random Saturday night, I just start breaking down crying because Riggs is lining up his cars again. Oh, I figured out the insurance. Okay, so we're on a good road. But then I'm like, oh, he's, he still needs help. Like, it's so overwhelmingly hard. Mm-hmm. I and, totally get that. Yeah, but then the minute we got the call that like he can start at this clinic, mm-hmm. at, oh my gosh, everything we've been working for. I say we, my mom helped me so much in this process okay. and my aunt, like it totally takes a village. So yeah, when we got that call, we are just like, okay, we can breathe he'll have help from professionals like we don't have to keep youtubing like yeah and you don't know if what you're doing is correct and it's just like so anyways the minute he started the clinic we saw improvements within like two weeks like wow social improvements language improvements and obviously you know he still needed help but like it was just so refreshing to see oh it gets better like Mm -hmm. it gets easier and i guess i don't know if it gets easier but you I don't know. He grows and you grow with him and then you adjust together. I guess everything does kind of get easier with time. And in that sense, you learn more in time and you know what to expect in time. Mm -hmm. So in a way it is easier. So, Mm -hmm. so thankful for therapies. Yeah. No, I definitely feel the being on the phone all the time and you're like, okay, I know what to do now, but that next step, it's like, this shouldn't be this hard to like advocate for your child. People wait 18 months sometimes for a diagnosis. Yeah. Luckily, we didn't. I'm just like, I don't know how people do it. Waiting in the waiting game. And in the middle of that, you're like, do they have it? Do they not? They can't have services until they have written on paper. So this is so hard. Nobody tells you what to do. It's like that is something that I don't know who would work on, but somebody needs to, the state. I mean, the state who makes you go through all these loopholes. Give us a manual on like (laughs) what to do so we can help our kid. Like, why is it so hard to help your children? (laughs) I don't even think they handed us like a pamphlet or anything. It's just like, okay, bye-bye. Yeah. We just had a recent diagnosis because he is six now. So we had to redo everything, uh, which was hard, but it's such a better experience. And they gave yeah. you all these resources. So other people are doing this. This is great. Good. Why can't everyone do this? So yeah. Exactly yeah. what you said. No, and it's true. Like, it's not that people, like professionals are being insensitive at all. 
it's because they deal with it all day, every day, but to every new parent that is dealing with this, it's their whole world's changing and everybody's just like, okay, diagnosed by, okay. Yeah. And then, wow. And then that's their job. But it's like, it's so hard in your mind to be like, wow, why does nobody care about my situation? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard. And then like, on top of that, friends, family, nobody understands. So like, you have no, you're just so lonely. Of it. And even like, I feel like my husband didn't understand a lot of time because to him, it's just like, oh, it'll be fine. And to me, I'm like, what? is so hard but yeah definitely (laughs) I can see how just feeling like you're alone for sure did you have any like loud voices or opinions I still can remember like the very few bad experiences I have I won't ever forget you know mom's yelling at me telling me like what I did to my have my son have autism and stuff so did you have any of that you know nothing in my personal life the thing that was I think the most annoying to me is that like most people would be like Oh, he doesn't even seem autistic or look autistic. Like, he'll be fine. Like, you'll be fine. You don't know what I'm dealing with every day. You know what I mean? Like, in a two-second period where he's with me at the store, yeah, he's fine because he's sitting there at the store. Like, but you don't see the meltdowns and you don't see the hard parts at home. That It's just, it's crazy, like, what goes on behind the scenes. And yeah. It's just so annoying when people tell me like that my kid will be fine when they don't know what's going on. They don't know that. Like, no. I, I don't know. And I, and I know the intentions are good, but like when you're in such a sensitive mindset, yep, everything kind of offends you a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, a few years ago, finally wrote a five things not to say to autism moms. Cause I was just so done with it. And mm. I dealt with a lot, but that was one of them. Try to say, Oh no, like there's no way he's totally fine. Yeah. There's no way he has autism. I've seen people that do. There's, there's absolutely no way. Yes. I'm just like, I got, that was probably the most, there was nothing really insulting, but it was more that everybody was like, oh yeah, my cousin's wife's daughter, like (laughs) they thought she had symptoms too. And turns out she is totally fine. So that's probably what's going on with you. It's like, Uh, why? Like, I'm trying to heal and accept this process. And now you're putting something in my mind that says, oh, maybe it's nothing. And it'll be, you know what I mean? Like, that's so rude. (laughs) Like, just say, you know what? You're a great mom and it'll be great. You know know what I mean? Don't say and validate that my son has a diagnosis. (laughs) I think with society, we, we, or, you know, a lot of people, we just feel like we need to relate. We need to give opinions and we need to fix it. It's like, no. Nowadays, that that's all people need. That this is hard. Let me sit with you in this sucky hard. Yes. You know, but yeah, I definitely had people like, oh well, my daughter's cousins. But you don't need to relate. Yeah. And because every kid with autism is different, literally every single one. Yes. So it's like, and the ones I hated was like, oh, I knew this person, and yeah. it, it's gone now. I know. It's like I don't want to hear success stories, like, because then there's like, is there a cure? Am I, am I not doing enough? And like, then you have like this false hope, and it's like, no, just you're doing great. Like you know your kid. Nobody else knows your kid. Mm-hmm. I just had to keep telling myself their intentions are good. They're being a great person in their eyes to me, and mm-hmm. I just need to accept that and just keep doing my thing with my son. Also, it's hard too because. When, you know, he's having a meltdown in the grocery store at the clinic, they teach you all these like ways to deal with that. I'm not just a kid. You sound like a crazy person. So like my kid's crying in the grocery cart and I'm like, okay, Riggs, first we're going to pick up these bananas and then we're going to go to the next aisle because in autism, like they like to know what to expect and that kind of calms them down. So 
then people in the store kind of look at me weird or like, I feel stupid. I'm like all embarrassed because I'm, you know what I mean? And you know, people are saying he doesn't look autistic, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Of course he looks like a normal kid. I just have to do you and it's hard because I'm such a people pleaser and I care so much about everyone's energies and everyone's opinion about me. So (laughs) it's honestly been such a growing experience. I'm his mom. That's the most important thing right Mm -hmm. now. These people can do their thing. They won't remember this later on in the day, you know, and it's so unimportant. So, you know, it's just become me and rig against the world almost. I'm finding myself a lot lately when I hang out with friends or my family members that I talk about Rigdon's, not necessarily his diagnosis, but where he's at in the process. And I start to see the looks on people's faces. Okay, she's worried way too much about this. Or, okay, this isn't real. Like, stop. It's fine. You're fine. Dismissing it. And it's it's so offensive, but it also makes me get in my head and think, oh, am I being overdramatic? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, this is literally my child. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it's so frustrating. Also, there's other people that are way too invested where it's, oh, you know what, you should really do this. This I've heard this helps do this right now. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, listen, this is our own process. And it's so individual to each human. And nobody really knows the timeline he's on except for me and his progress. It's just like, don't interfere when it's not asked. Yeah, it because it makes you feel like I'm, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. So I recently, probably a couple months after the diagnosis, I started going to therapy and that was the biggest, the result of every session was, I don't feel like I'm enough. And I don't feel like I'm trying because everyone around me is telling me to do these things in my head. I'm like, I don't need to do that right now. And then I'm like, is it because I'm a bad mom or is it because I know my kid? That's something I very much recommend is going to therapy through all this because it got to a point where I was, that's all I felt. All I felt was like, I'm alone. I'm a bad mom. You start to rethink all the things you did that could have resulted in this situation. It's like, there's nothing you could have done. And I am also a sincere believer in everything happens for a reason. And I can already see those reasons happening in my life. And it's become such a big blessing in the end. But no, yeah, therapy has helped me a ton just to know I'm badass. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I know my kid and I know myself and everybody else doesn't matter and it's such a it's so cliche but it's such a hard thing to realize yeah no I'm glad you're getting validation from that I'm barely coming up on a year of going to therapy and I wish I had that you know four years ago I can't even I was so against therapy back then too and the stigma it sucks and luckily I'm you know being more open about it especially on this podcast therapy is cool like seriously everyone can go to therapy I'm not saying you should, you should, like, I want you to want to, because it's Mm -hmm. amazing. You get that validation. It's an unbiased opinion. Mm -hmm. They literally do this for a living. You definitely get that validation. I'm really glad you have that resource. Me too. And I'm just so happy that therapy is becoming cool. You know what I mean? Yes. Because like you said, a few years ago, that was not the case. And Mm -hmm. one's so aware and it's great. It's a hard, sucky place to be, like things you thought they were going to do and be like, and mm-hmm. pretty much just having zero expectations now. And it stinks. Literally, Riggs was two. Yeah. My son was two. It's like, mm-hmm. we're planning out their whole future till 18. We don't even know what next month is going to look like. Yeah. I think that's also hard, too, because every decision is, is this going to affect him? Is- I know that's another hard part of getting that early diagnosis when they're so young, too, mm-hmm. is you're like, 
okay, well, I want to do something like, what do I do? And they're like, oh, I don't know. He's too young. I'm okay. So thanks. <laughs> um, so I'll figure out on my own, I guess. Yeah. I definitely get you on the, every decision I make, it can affect his future. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even like, it's so funny. Cause my husband doesn't get that. For example, I've been working with Riggs on the first then things. First, we're going to eat cereal and then we can go play that, you yeah. know, back to, you know, they, he needs to know what's going to happen to have a more like content day. And if my husband doesn't do that and Riggs is crying because he just got thrown into a situation that he wasn't prepared for, I kind of get mad at him. I'm like, babe, we're working on the first then thing. Yeah. Like, he needs to know what he's expecting. And he's like, oh, that's just, it's just too much. Like, it's not, I'm like, you don't understand. Like, mm -hmm. and so it's just little decisions like that. They seem like over dramatic and over exaggerated to a lot of people, but really it, it actually does help so much. Yeah. No, that's a lot. I know we've talked about hard stuff and, you know, a little bit positive stuff. That's what I like to do on this podcast is both, but on more of the positive side, what have you seen in yourself, like changes or what you have learned positive stuff? Well, it's really made me mature and grow as a person and as an adult, for sure, because I don't know, like growing up in school, social status was always so important to me and social anxiety and making sure everything was happy and I was positive for everybody, you know, and relationships were so important to me. And then it took over my life, honestly. It, like I didn't realize how bad my anxiety was because I was just always trying to make everyone around me happy. And anyways, so then my son gets diagnosed with autism. In the plan you expect for their life before that diagnosis, my plan for Rigdon was that I wanted him to be a positive person, social, you know, really like considerate and understanding and just like all of that. And then you get an autism diagnosis. Like, Okay, so he'll probably most likely not be great at all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so because for a lot of autistic kids, like empathy is really hard. It's really hard to understand social cues and humor and relationships are so hard because, you know, it's trying to think for another person that just doesn't come naturally. So I just kind of got shot down with all of those plans. And so it gets you blindsided a little bit. Also just being patient. <laughs> You know, that's something I didn't have before either. And if yep. you, if you don't learn that with, you know, kids, right. you're not going to survive. So I kind of had that visualization when you were talking of a whiteboard and it's just like written like your life plan, like, you know, you make a plan and then it kind of just slate clean. It got all erased. You have to redo it. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not what you thought. So I like how you said that it's, it's still hard, but it's just way different. Yeah. I just think it's made me grow so much as a person and I'm just thankful. Honestly, I feel like in the end, there's been more pros than cons as things are moving along for sure. I love that. Like you said, pros versus cons. Did you just have anything specific you did to get there or was it kind of just a light bulb where the burden came it off? It was a very, no, it definitely wasn't a switch. It was just boundaries were huge to set. And that was something I started going to therapy. So that was a huge help in the first place. But my therapist told me, she, you need to know that like, it's okay to not make everyone happy. That's not your job. And that was a huge click for me, even though that's like, seems like common sense, but like, 
in my mind, that was like what I lived for was to make people happy. (laughs) So, but over time, I'm starting to do it myself where I'm like, wow, I don't care so much about what all these people are thinking about me and what they think about my son, especially. And it's just made me grow in that way where it's just, I'm at so much more peace because I'm not just constantly, okay, did I seem positive enough in this conversation? Does this person like me? Do you think? Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so dumb. Who cares about all that? Like, and then immediately like 50 pounds comes off my chest. I don't need this. My son's not going to need it. And I, I don't need it. Like, you know, so that's been the biggest like personal growth for me. I think I just started with, you know, random situations. Hey, come over, let's do this. And I would just be like, I don't want to go over. And I would say, no, just saying no, like learning to say (laughs) that word was so hard, but it's, there's so much power to that. And wow. I'm happy. I'm not worried because I did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that too. Cause am I being selfish? Am I being rude? And it's like, no, you're not. You're doing what's best for you. That has helped me a ton. Just that habit of saying, no, don't want to do something and doing things that are good for myself and my son with that power, you just kind of grow with that, I guess. And also like, another good thing about therapy. I feel like this episode is just going to be a therapy promotion, but um, you also become aware of traumas. You also become aware of why you feel the way you do, what's happened with your family, what's happened with relationships. And just that awareness in itself, you kind of know how to navigate your life now knowing that. So like, okay, I did this when I was a kid. Those people don't do that. I don't need to do that. So I'm not going to do it. And then just, you know, just practice that and eventually it becomes more natural to you. And so, yeah, just over time, it just got a lot better. I still struggle with it. Like I'm still always worried about what people think, but it's a lot easier for me to say, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that you said every day still isn't perfect or you're not perfect because I think that's good too. Just because you go to therapy, it doesn't, everything's good. It kind of at the beginning, can of worms, it kind of gets worse before it gets better too. Oh my gosh. I cannot, <laughs> the first like three or four sessions, okay, you just opened a bunch of wounds and I don't know what to do now. So I'm just depressed and anxious all the time. But then like you actually start applying to yeah. your life. I don't know, just with time, it just gets better. And obviously it's still hard, but when you have the awareness and you have more tools, you get better dealing with it and yeah I love that if you could go back or what would you say to your old self or a year ago or just maybe a mom that just barely got a new diagnosis or something yeah I would say especially but somebody that cares about other people's opinions they're not always thinking of you like people aren't thinking about you all the time and what you said and what you're wearing and what your kid is doing truly like (laughs) you know so just worry about yourself and you do you and Ultimately, when you stop thinking about all these opinions and thinking about what could happen and blah, 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 then you kind of feel more at peace and you just kind of feel you need to in that moment. And the biggest thing too is your instincts are real. Mm -hmm. Like when you feel something is good and the right thing to do, just do it. Even though maybe people are saying it's not, you know what's best ultimately, especially as a mother. I feel like that instinct comes so naturally to us and most of the time it's right. And same with the negative. If you feel like something's not right, but people are telling you to do, try not to do it for a little bit and see how, you know, how it turns out. Just follow those instincts. I have over time seen that my instincts have been correct and I didn't follow them 
and I regretted it. So I would say instincts are huge at play. And a lot of these like seem like such cliche responses, but they're not cliche when you're learning it in a moment for sure. No, yeah. The mama gut thing is for real. It really is. That's kind of the only way you can navigate all of that because mm-hmm. you're having to choose everything. This therapist, that, this facility, this school, this, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Even if you look at reviews, even ask people and it's just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Or yeah, if you do have something, you're in a good spot or therapist, but something's off. Or I think we need to stop this therapy, maybe go to here or, you know, just stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously mine started at the beginning when I was told, you know, there's nothing wrong with your kid or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad I listened to that mama gut. But like you said, yeah, you kind of have to listen to that instinct throughout the whole way and journey. Yeah, because it gets to points in your life that that's all you have is your instincts. And really, I sincerely believe you can't go wrong, especially if that instinct is really strong. Yeah, I think that will really help other moms and not even autism diagnosis. For real, because that mama instinct isn't just for other kids with autism, for sure. So yeah, no, it's crazy what goes on in the body with moms. So beautiful. Yeah, it's super hard job and stressful, but it really is rewarding for sure yeah so if you could change things in the world how the world views autism or just a few things that would i wish it was this way or that way type of thing wishes you have for society Mm. even just your close circle anything what you would change no matter what the person looks like no matter what you think about their story remember they have a story you don't know it so treat everyone kindly treat everyone like they have a story because you really don't know what's going on you just have to like be considerate and think of your surroundings just treat everyone kindly because you really don't know what they're going through and I remember when I initially got the diagnosis or the first probably six or seven months after I obviously was more depressed more anxious because there's always a lot you weren't prepared for And so I wasn't in a great mood all the time. And so maybe I was a little more rude at grocery stores or I had some road rage. (laughs) And um, maybe I didn't want to hang out all the time. So I seemed not as social or into friendships. And you have to know it's not because that person's a jerk and being rude. It's they're going through something. And so just be sensitive to that. That's what I wish people knew because inside I was dying. Like, oh my gosh, this person probably thinks this of me and blah, 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 blah. Like, if I knew that like that person is having understanding and you know, is it would just make everything feel better. Another thing I would say is like we kind of touched on before, autism looks differently than every kid, um, every adult. Those assumptions most people have about autism, which I had too, every kid is so different. A lot of responses I would get were like, oh, so when he was diagnosed, like where is he at? Is he high functioning or low functioning? Like, those words are so impossible. It's not just two levels. Yeah. Like, you can't dissect that. I think also the way you respond to those things. So if I were to say, oh, you know, we're not quite sure yet, but I'd be careful with how you react to that. Don't be like, oh, okay, that's good. You know, or if I were to say, maybe he won't be able to be social or verbal. And then be like, oh, don't project how you feel about the situation onto this mom that's like trying to figure everything out. You know, and I also don't like when people make it a big deal and it becomes what I'm identified as, as the mom with the autistic kid. It just makes me feel like I can't relate to anyone in the world anymore. Like if we're at the park, mom's around, it's like, my kid can say 500 words and he's two. I'm like, cool. Like, (laughs) 
and, and then yeah. immediately I'm like, you just start the comparing and I hate that game. Yes. I'm just like, oh, where should Rick be? What would you say to if your best friend's kid got diagnosed with autism? How would you treat that friend or, you know? I don't know her situation. I would just make her know that she's always supported. I would tell her she's a great mom. That's all you can do. Another thing I've learned is stop trying to relate to people. And I'm guilty of that. That was such a natural thing for me to do is just try and put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, now I know how they feel. It's like, no, you don't. Just don't try to relate. Just, you know, focus on if you're doing great. Keep working hard. I love you so much. I'm here if you need anything. Just support, you know, that's all we're asking is just support. We don't need you to feel like you need to fix the situation. No, um, totally. The listen, learn, love, support. Don't. It's so simple. We just, as humans, we just make things harder than they need to be. For sure. And I don't think you need to relate. Just sit in that moment with them and just be like, you know what? This sucks. This is hard. Yeah. How is your heart today? What can I do for you today? You know? Yeah. I think, I think out of all the people that are posting or like talking to me, trying to comfort me through all this or whatever, it's the thing that's helped me the most is moms that say, I love you. You're a great mom. Things like there doesn't need to be happiness and rainbows all the time. Like I feel like everybody's thing is like, it's really hard right now, but it'll be great. Like it'll be, it's like, listen, I just need to hear right now that I have support and you know, that's all I need. Everything added on to that is just pretty unnecessary. I'm glad you've had mostly good support in all that in last year because it's super hard. The little videos I have seen that you posted of him like counting and his colors. He's just so cute. Oh, he's honestly the best. If anything, too, it's made me a better mom having this diagnosis because I want to interact with him all the time, not just because it's good for him, but it's so good for me. And, you know, it's just also rewarding. No matter what, you are his or her world. And that's just so amazing. And it's made me just love him even more. Riggs also was nonverbal at one point. By the time he's diagnosed, he's probably saying three or four okay. words that maybe only like my husband and I could understand. To most people, he'd probably maybe be considered nonverbal. Well, that's hard too, because I just had to learn, especially with my son not having eye contact or any words, my relationship with him, what that looked like and yeah. how I could tell that he loves me or he's just so sweet and I could tell in different ways. And I had to look at that differently of a relationship mm -hmm. as a mother and son. It's not going to be what you thought also, you know, it's just so hard. Yeah, no, for sure. I just remember craving that, like, how do I know that you love me? Because when they're not making eye contact, they're not laughing yep. at you. They're not telling you anything. You yes. just don't know. And you're like, how do I have a relationship with my son if he doesn't want to interact with me? When we did get him into therapies and he did get more of like a social interaction with other kids that, you know, slowly improved. I just remember the first time he like looked at me in the eyes. I just like wanted to cry Aww. for more than like two seconds. I'm like, oh, you love me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard, especially when you're not getting that rewarding feeling after all the freaking work and sacrifice, but you will get little moments that you have to kind of live off of. Well, awesome. Thanks so much, Taylor. We've talked about a lot. I know it's probably hard. I almost got emotional like five times. Like <laughs> it's hard bringing up all this stuff, but thank you so much and sharing your heart. Thanks for letting me. I was kind of telling you before this conversation, like, I just remember trying to, like, frantically search for podcasts and, like, videos of yeah. other moms going through the same thing, and it, you just can't find it. And so I hope this, you know, helps <laughs> some moms have awareness or feel understood or feel validated with this experience. Yes. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Taylor owns an amazing business. She is so amazing. Her, she does home decor and things like that. And her aesthetic, I literally could buy everything <laughs> that she has. Kind of talk about your business, give all the good, the handles and where they can find you and stuff. Oh, sure. So um, mainly I post on my Instagram, which is at your weekly home. Um, I kind of do a little bit of everything. I do thrift finds and I curate the finds and I sell them. Um, I also order in home decor and sell that. And I also do interior design and basically everything in the home <laughs> decor realm, like I love to do. So I do drops weekly and a drop meaning I list all the things I'm selling that week and you can buy on my Instagram. And I also have some items on my website. And your website's just? Just yourweeklyhome.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. awesome. Guys, check her out. She's amazing. And I just love seeing other women succeed. And I feel like you're definitely one of those like true leaders too. And it's just awesome. I love your oh, little business. You. I think the same of you. And I'm just so happy that we met. <laughs> yeah, I know. Definitely. I'm so grateful too. Oh my goodness. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you were patient and graceful through the technicalities of us both using one microphone. But yay, thank you so much for getting through it. I appreciate it. I hope something she said resonated with you, even if you aren't an autism mom. She said in a lot of amazing things, and I'm so glad we had this talk, and she was brave enough to be vulnerable and share her feelings and thoughts. It's hard to address these things head on, and like I said, yeah, I almost cried five times doing it because it's just hard to talk about. But yeah, share this with other autism mom friends, or if you have someone in your life close that does get a diagnosis of autism this podcast and others in the future and resources are my goal to have that help you. So again, her business will be linked in the show notes too. Go check it out. She is so talented, has lots of cute things. Thanks again for being here. I hope you can go throughout your week knowing that your best that you're doing right now is enough and it's okay to not know. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review. That means a ton to me. And also helps this podcast get seen and heard and it be relevant and show up in searches. Hop into my DMs. Feel free to reach out to Taylor. Tell her thank you for being on. Message her what resonated most with you, what things she said. Autism moms especially, if you listen to this, you're doing a great job. I just want to give you a big virtual hug because this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you do not have to run it alone, I promise. Thanks again so much for listening, guys. I'll see you here next Tuesday on Check-Ins with Jess.